I am very excited and delighted to tell you that your chronic illness ally is once again enrolling. If you're new around here, your chronic illness ally is the supportive home, the program, the community and the coaching space for you to learn how to reframe the role that your chronic illness plays in your life. It guides you off of that conveyor belt of constantly trying to fix and heal your chronic illness and teaches you how to tap into the wisdom of your body that's being communicated via your chronic illness so that you can channel it, channel that wisdom, channel that intelligence into living the big, beautiful life you dream about. If you enjoy this podcast, you will certainly love your chronic illness ally. There is a link to it in the show notes, but let me tell you, the funnest way to learn more about it is to do my quiz. And once you've done that, pop your email in at the end to learn more. And then sit back as I help you explore your unique support style, which will help you make an informed choice about whether your chronic illness ally is a hell yes fit for you. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Reframing Chronic Illness podcast, the place to listen to and think about the bigger picture of living with a chronic illness. Moving away from the fix, reject, resist narrative, you'll find conversations about how your chronic illness can be a force for good in your life, your superpower even, and discussions about its potential to guide you towards a more aligned way of living and healing. I'm Ilana Holloway, chronic illness coach and today I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Sarah Baxter. Just a quick heads up that there is some swearing in this episode pretty early on and throughout so if you have any sensitive ears around then pop in some earphones and crack on. I think through my uh, PTSD journey it is me I think the term is unfucking yourself. Do you know right. like when you just yes. let go of all of the shit that you've grown up with and yeah. you allow the person you're meant to be to come out? Sarah and I met around 10 years ago when we both worked at a design company. Throughout the years, we've kept in touch and thanks to the power of the internet, I have watched absolutely fascinated as she works through, understands and processes her CPTSD using her skills as a designer and artist to support her. 
She's now in a place where she can approach what once felt too much with curiosity and is open to discovering what her findings are here to show and teach her. She's recently been experimenting with her dreams and talks about how she's doing it in some really cool ways. The relationship between trauma, PTSD and chronic illness is one that lives in a cycle. Whilst many who have experienced trauma or who experience PTSD will also go on to develop or experience chronic illness, the very living with a chronic illness can also be traumatic. It's an aspect that's perhaps not very well acknowledged and therefore not addressed. And I often see the two or the three existing in a feedback loop. If you feel connected to what you hear on this podcast and kind of sit there nodding your head and thinking, you know, that's me or that really resonates with me and you want to explore how you can embrace your chronic illness as your supportive grounding and aligning superpower head over to my website alanaholloway.com and check out the ways in which we can work together hey sarah hello um thank you so much for coming on the reframing chronic illness podcast thank you for really great to have you oh it's great to have you so um for anyone listening i have known sarah now for since 2009 i'd say yeah about that we first met when I was doing a bit of an internship and it our kind of friendship I suppose has evolved over time really it's as obviously friendships do but you know we knew each other in one capacity then and I think actually our journeys have have been quite parallel in some ways yeah um, I think so yeah yeah so we were both really stressed out by that project anyway <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely maybe that was the start of uh maybe that was the start of the rest of of the journey so um yeah totally um but it's been lovely from my perspective like watching um interesting as well you know watching kind of the different things you've been exploring um and we've talked before and and you talk quite openly actually on your instagram about your cptsd diagnosis um and kind of how you how you manage that and how you work through your CPTSD now um so I'd love to just I'd love for you to talk about what was that initial diagnosis like for you how did that feel um I guess like it was it was after a really quite a long period of uh, which I now know is brain fog of just um counseling all of my social arrangements you know like at the last minute and that's not like me mm. of just becoming like really introverted and just staying home being um like really sensitive to noise um like it's like now it kind of feels like things were going on inside like things were processing and then all of a sudden uh there was just so much rage like mm rage like it was projectile vomiting rage everywhere um and I would be getting angry at everything I'd be getting you know if my children I've got two two little girls if they were giggling in another room then that noise would make me really angry and that's you know just like that's not right is it um Mm -hmm. so uh I had to go back to therapy um I'd been to therapy before 
I went back to the same um, counselling lady who was really, really good. And I just threw up all of this stuff that was going on, like my rage, um, my... I also was getting a lot of flashbacks um, mm -hmm. from, from, from when I was younger. Um, and it was, you know, I, I wasn't present. That I, I just was, right. I was just kind of stuck in younger versions of myself. Um, and those younger versions of myself were very angry. Um, mm -hmm. So I went back to counselling and I literally just dumped all of this on this poor lady. Like, <laughs> like the image I've got of her is just her, her like probably dripping with, with <laughs> this, this kind of, you know, I don't, it's the right word, diatribe of me just going, eh, take all of this yeah. and do something with it. And she was like, and what's going on in real life? And I was like, what do you mean real life? This is real life. Like I can't actually, I can't make breakfast. I can't. I can't be present in real life because all of this other stuff is going on and feels really urgent. And she basically said, um, I think you've got uh, PTSD. Um, she can't, you can't give a proper diagnosis of complex PTSD just yet because it's not in like the book of psychology. Right. Um, but it is more complex PTSD. And uh, the complex part means that um, the trauma that I had was long. It wasn't just one event. It was, you know, there was no safe place for me to go mm -hmm. to. Um, so it means that the symptoms are a little bit different. Um, and then once I realized that, once she, when she gave me that diagnosis, I kind of relaxed because at least I knew what it was. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, it didn't feel as urgent then. It was kind of like, oh, okay, all right then. So I can, kind of just you can I can go away and I can do some research on it and I can read about it and I can be like oh okay that's that's fine and it felt um it calmed me down having the diagnosis I think mm. um like it wasn't it didn't feel as life-threatening or as um manic if yeah. you know if someone else understands it and can put a label on it then you know other people have gone through that too and I could, you know, it, it, you know, if I was getting angry, I can at least, you know, say to my children, this has got nothing to do with you. I'm really sorry. Um, just stay over there for a little minute. Whilst I, yeah. <laughs> whilst I just deal with this and I call it spikiness. Yeah. I've got spikiness. Um, this hasn't got anything to do with you. Um, and they're really good at, uh, at going, okay, all right, then we'll stay over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is better than not knowing and just you know when you kind of think shut up yes I'm not doing that you know like I can go I can separate it like can you just stop that for a second because I'm feeling a bit spiky yeah <laughs> I'm trying to concentrate on driving can you stop that for a second I'm like flared up and um, yeah. I need to concentrate for that I need just like five minutes of silence yeah yeah so I was able to give my needs um and they, you know, they were quite young at the time, but they, you know, they have those feelings as well. So, right, yeah, we can all be respectful of each other's feelings. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that, and it's such an education for them, and perhaps an education that that people of kind of our generation and before that didn't receive, and that awareness of 
um, as you say, respecting each other's needs and, and that they have them too. And that might help them when they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed or um, stressed or whatever, you know, that might help them describe. I love how you describe spikiness and, and dripping and um, having these visual, I'm, I'm, I mean, this is how we first met, you know, we're both, we're both very kind of creative visual people and, um, having those descriptions available to us. And when I'm in therapy and, you know, we're going through things, I often will describe like shapes and heat and, and expressions and being able to put those, those things to, to the words and the feelings is great. And that kind of leads me on to your expression of, of the, the things you experience is fascinating to me. It's the way you kind of then take that one step further to create things like, you know, physical things or digital things is, is, is fascinating. And I, I look at these things you create and I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, oh, and I just <laughs> love for you, love for you to tell us a bit more about that process. Uh, yes. Um, so uh, my CPTSD comes up and now I kind of know the, the pattern that it takes Mm -hmm. so I'll have that brain fogginess and that takes a while to notice that it's happening because it's really dull um mm. and you don't realize it you kind of go actually I just want to stay in <laughs> um, you don't you know and it's quite a safe place um but that's just my body I guess processing what it's about to reveal to me um yep. in terms of you know another traumatic experience um so then it's then it is revealed to me and then um, I have to feel it. I have to process process it all. Um, and the way it reveals itself to me might be flashbacks, uh, visual flashbacks, emotional flashbacks, um, my dreams, my uh, it, touch, which is really weird, and smell. Mm -hmm. um, taste. It's really bizarre. Uh, Do you get yeah. taste? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's really really weird. Um, and actually thinking about it, I can feel something on my hand now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the body really is it. amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then also, like, to kind of process it, I read the books and they kind of said, you know, the art therapy is a good, a good way to process it. Um, and uh, so I would, I had a, I had a really vivid dream of... Um, this was a while back of my old, my old bedroom, my old childhood bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I thought, right, I'm going to draw this, um, I'm going to draw this room. And it's like a really rubbish perspective drawing that I did. And then I kind of just colored it like with my children's watercolors, um, the colors that it was. Um, and that kind of like, it stops the chatter in your head when you're coloring something in, um, yeah. you know, the mindful coloring thing. And as it stops the chatter, it, um, I know we've spoken about this before, but I always feel really weird when I, when I bring it up, like the intuition, the inner wise woman kind yes. of spoke to me and yeah. I got goosebumps now thinking about it. And, <laughs> um, and it explained, uh, so whilst I was painting this in, it just explained this massive part of my childhood um, in such a direct way with hardly any words but um just you know the act of coloring in kind of brought that to the forefront um mm -hmm. 
and uh, it was all to do with uh, being being the family scapegoat. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I was the eldest. I am the eldest, and um, and as a result, even if I wasn't in the room, Sarah, rah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. it was like, but it, it wasn't me. I wasn't even upstairs, or I wasn't wouldn't even be home, and I'd get the blame for it. And like, you know, the logic of that. I've always gone, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's fine. But it hadn't stopped me from carrying the responsibility of yeah. everything that had gone wrong all the time because it was all the, the blame was always passed to me. Um, and it was like just this flashback, like this, 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 not a flash, it was like it was just really calming with this, this, this. I can't even remember the exact words that it was said, or even if they were words or just a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of said, you know that all happened because of this Mm. and then it helped me understand a whole set of scenarios and then kind of just that one um interaction helped me kind of take that backpack off Mm. um, of all that blame that I had been carrying you know like I knew that it wasn't mine to carry yeah but it's still it was still being packed in a little bag and put yeah. on my back um and I was able I to put that, that down yeah yeah, yeah. um and um yeah so I, I I I was able to put that down and I think I actually started walking a bit differently after that like a little bit straighter because I wasn't mm-hmm. carrying like it was I guess it was physically you know in my muscle yeah and that, that bit had been processed so that can go now um, yes. which was really freeing and actually um now uh I can, I'm I'm quite happy to take the blame for anything like yeah blame, that's fine <laughs> yeah but th- but it's amazing that shift in in feeling like you carry that blame and you carry that responsibility and then being able to shift into a place where you can give that back and say yeah you can do that but that's kind of your choice it's not mine it's not mine to carry yeah um and and this processing that you talk of, you know, there are kind of many um, or many a handful of if trauma processing methods. And I think this one is is something that really works for you. Um, whereas others perhaps might not have in, you know, if you've tried them or whatever, but um, and it's something that you kind of continue to do now. Is that right? I think um, now how I view my CPTSD is with curiosity. Like I'm now mm. I'm like, come on, show me what else, show me what else. Um, Cause it feels like it's a superpower now. And I, I don't say that mm. lightly because obviously if you're in the throes of it, this is, it can be really debilitating and, yeah. and it physically hurts. It physically, physically hurts. Like your muscles hurt it feels like you're turning to stone um or you'll be so you know in it that you can't I can't make a single decision um I'll have to just take myself to bed um so but now I understand all of those processes I understand that everything's going to be okay um and I, I invite it in um so there was an uh going back to the art there was I, I've also had lots of night terrors in in my life um mm-hmm. and uh the local Watford Museum had a art competition and it the the theme was dreams 
and okay. I was like okay this will be a good opportunity to um to to there's also you know like when you're doing art you always feel like you're it needs to look good and it needs to right. look in a certain way and then that can stop you from actually doing it because you're like oh I'm just really rubbish at it mm-hmm. um but I thought actually I'm going to use this to do something for me um I don't care what the end result is um I'm just going to use this to process this night terror that I had um and the night terror was me being in my old house in the bedroom that I had to myself which was actually the dining room mm-hmm. I took it I took it I claimed it as mine <laughs> um and uh so I'm in that room and a a crow comes flying and comes flying right to the patio doors and gets its beak stuck in the wood mm-hmm. um and then it's flapping its wings and every time it flaps its wings it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's dark and the whole like the whole house is shaking and you know basically the house is going to fall down mm-hmm. um and so this was I think I've had versions of this dream quite a lot or night terrors where my house is falling down um and I thought that's that's quite powerfully powerful in a visual mm-hmm. way um so I made a collage of um well, and it's weird because when I, I put it up actually people can see that it looks like my old house and I wasn't I didn't get I used oh. found images yeah um, and um and it was difficult to try and get the movement in there um in this collage of you know it was an outside perspective of the house um with a, like a big massive crow just kind of stuck in like its beak stuck in the wall and cracks appearing um yeah. and like to get movement in there I put in a one of those white plastic outside chairs and kind of it was tipped up and um ah yeah nice yeah uh and I was like quite excited whilst making it and it was like you know quite it was a freeing kind of exercise there was no pressure on it to look a certain way because it was for me yeah and it didn't you know it didn't matter um it didn't have to be pretty which is really good um (laughs) and then uh, that pressure yeah yeah and also what was good is that it had a deadline. Uh, so I had to hand it in, which yeah. was good. And um, so I, I did hand it in. And actually, I won the competition. Woo-hoo! Yay! Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I know. I won a trophy for that one. Yes. <laughs> Please say you've got it in a cabinet. <laughs> I had to give it back after a year. It was what? really sad. I know. For the next competition. Um <laughs> But my name's been engraved on it, so yeah. Oh, okay. Pass the next are. person. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was fun. Wow. I mean, these these dreams and night terrors that you you experience, it's they seem so kind of vivid. And um, I know you've experimented with dream herbs um, before continuously. I don't know. Um, what's your experience with with those been like? Um. So I guess I started paying, yeah, I started paying more attention to my dreams because things were coming up in them. Um, I had, I did, I read this book and it's the short, a short introduction to Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. um, And he had a chapter on dreams and it was quite, you know, it's a small chapter. It's not anything too in depth um, about it. And um, it described uh, a way of um, analyzing your dreams and, Mm -hmm. And checking in with yourself. And this was quite early on with my diagnosis. 
And I thought that's really interesting um, and didn't think anything more of it. Um, and he described in the chapter, it kind of described this um, like, you know, manic, like mad short dreams put together where there might be like, you're in one uh, scenario and something crazy happens there. And then you're in another one and something crazy happens there. And then you're in another one, something crazy happens there. And that's right. not just one dream. Hmm. Um, and so I had, I had that dream. I had one of those dreams and I was like, oh my gosh, this must be what Carl Jung was talking about. So I had to fish that book back out yeah. and read like, okay, I've got to pay attention to what happened here. The first part of my dream, um, I the location was a video game arcade in a place called Staples Corner, which is um, which is where the M1 kind of goes into London and meets mm -hmm. the um, North Circular. So it's like a really complex um, road situation. Um, the people who were in it were a group of people who I know, and um, and they also said they were, were expecting my brother to turn up, um, and a load of soldiers. Um, mm. And the feeling was kind of like, oh, I've turned up here, um, a little bit tentative, a little bit unsure, and wide-eyed. And like, kind of what happened in the dream was everyone was playing on the video games. And it was really dark outside and quiet. Um, the people who I knew were on motorbikes racing and saying my brother would be along soon. Uh, and the place shut and everyone walked towards Cricklewood um, along all the flyovers um, in the dark and then disappeared. I was talking to a female soldier who was telling me about her experiences in the Afghan war uh, and there was no one else around, no people or cars. Um, and I guess the meaning I took from that was as I had just been diagnosed with complex PTSD, it was a new reality for me. Um, right. So the game, you know, the, the link with the virtual reality of the games, I guess. Yeah. Um, the people who I knew were in that, in that place as well had also been through childhood trauma. Uh, so it's kind of like, this is my tribe. Um, yes. And the soldiers are just, you know, like that is, standard definition of PTSD um right. so it makes complete sense um also just a little worry that my brother might show the same symptoms as me he didn't turn up in in the dream so you know that wasn't a worry at that time but I guess it was just a niggle yeah um and the dark adds mystery uh the paths and flyovers are really complicated uh, in that area so as we were walking off it just kind of showed it wasn't going to be like a straight road it was it was going to be, you know, tricky and one that I'm probably going to have to do on my own. And I didn't wow. feel scared at that or anything. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, the second part of my dream, uh, I was on a sailing boat and clear, bright sky and sunshine. My husband was there with his family. Uh, and my feeling was a bit power powerless, but not sure if I was actually present in the dream or just observing. Um, so I didn't really have a role. Um, the action was... Uh, Jamie's family having a nice time on this boat and living the high life on a sailing boat and Jamie was you know like wrestling with the sails and the steering and stuff and that kind of at the time was uh just really symbolic of his work life mm -hmm. uh, he works for the family business and um he does all the work mm. <laughs> um so that was that was just kind of self-explanatory really um mm -hmm. the third part of my dream was mm, our old design studio yeah uh and it but it looked like the big breakfast house um you right. know, like imagine like you know the pink wallpaper with fried eggs on it yeah and um oversized 
lime green furniture and um like gold stuff like shiny gold loud stuff. bright yeah. yeah which is nowhere near the aesthetic of the design of the of where we worked absolutely nothing near it so you know <laughs> they're all like going oh this is great you know the tv cameras are going to be here soon this is all looking really good and I'm like are you joking this doesn't <laughs> look good like I understand it in an ironic way but like this isn't this isn't good design yeah um but I couldn't say it I couldn't physically uh-huh. say it yeah um and uh and then you know like I kind of had to go outside for some for some breath because I was I, I just felt so agitated um and I like across the road I saw a younger version of myself walk down the road and I was like oh my gosh like I'm just gonna go over there and see what's going on so I followed myself down the road and then like at this point I was thinking of asking for my old job back Mm. and quite clearly from that uh, (laughs) dream (laughs) it wasn't a good idea um, because my feelings my feelings were kind of like no you need to go this way you need to follow yourself yeah um and because I well I'd only just been diagnosed it would have been really silly to undertake a stressful design right. job again um yeah <laughs> with all this stuff going on yeah uh, so that was that just made me really really interested in my dreams then because I was like I've learned so much from this one dream um, yeah and then I I did start with the dream herbs I, there's a woman who I follow on Instagram her name is Tree Carr and she was doing a free um, dream workshop. Um, and I, so I signed myself up to that. And there was these, uh, she kind of showed us these dream herbs, which help with lucid dreaming. Um, and it all just seemed really exciting. And it was all throughout lockdown as well. So we couldn't go out. If you can't go yeah. out, go in, you know? Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I'll go to bed early and I'll have a great time in my dreams. You know, I'll go on holiday. <laughs> and if I learn anything about myself then you know that's all great yeah so um yeah so I I did this dream this dream workshop um and immediately afterwards with my friend we bought some blue lotus flower from Etsy so it's legal it's not illegal substances (laughs) um blue lotus flower is from ancient Egypt and the active constituents promote uh, euphoria and sedation. So you'll you'll feel a little bit stoned, I guess, before you yes. go to sleep. Um, and then um, and then you'll you'll have a night full of crazy dreams. And yeah, they they work. I definitely did. Um, it's quite funny because they're also an aphrodisiac. Um, <laughs> I never know if these really exist or not, aphrodisiac. No, you know, you're just like, oh, chocolate's an aphrodisiac. Um, but yeah, you have I to eat, eat all like, the time. three tons of it. And you know, you wouldn't feel that way after three tons no. of it. <laughs> I'd made my husband one of these cups of tea as well. And oh, yeah, it was just quite funny. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, so I had very, very good dreams off of that. Um, and then I also bought some this one's a really difficult one to say it's called Kalia Zacata Chichi wow uh, which is a Mexican dream herb um and this one it gives like it, you obtain insight and sharpen intuitive perception in your dreams mm. and I was like well yeah let's try a bit of that um and got the the tea leaves um 
and this one tastes so revolting like <laughs> it was really difficult to drink it because you try and swallow it but it was like activating that my bad. gag reflex wow. it was that bad it was so bad so I struggled to drink the entire cup um and uh <laughs> but the dreams of that were were amazing were really really good um yeah uh and the last one i've tried is mugwort but i tried that in um you can get mugwort gummies okay um, so you take like a few little sweets before bed um and they were really really good as well um and it, it all of these and the dream workshop helped me with i've been having like recurring dreams like not okay. very often but every so often i'd get a recurring dream from someone in my past and i'm like oh, hello what are you doing here yeah you know it's just really bizarre um and so I was like what is all of this about um it's all really strange uh so following the uh the dream workshop the lady was like it's not you know if you have a recurring dream like if it's a fox or a tree if you're if you get into the practice of lucid dreaming um Mm -hmm. you can go up to the item the person the fox the tree and you can ask why you're there um, and it will give you the answer because you're talking to yourself. Wow. Um, and, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I've been having recurring dreams for like the past couple of years. Let me find out what that is. But she also said, like, you know, if it is a fox, it's not a literal fox. You know, right. it's, it's symbolizing something. And that's, you know, with dreams, it is all about symbolism. And that symbolism is... Um, personal to you so I'm not sure you know if you look up oh I dreamt of um, yes yeah I've dreamt of an albatross last night what does that mean mean Mm -hmm. and you'll get all these different meanings and you're just like that doesn't make any sense to me um so it is I think it's really personal that's so interesting because I think so much of the time we try to put meaning to these things that happen and going back to what you said earlier about um being in a place of of considering going back to work um for your old employer it was your body clearly knew that that was not a great idea and and you had you had the understanding and you had the tools to kind of listen listen to that that intuition and and I think that's amazing because so often we can you know I don't know what reason you were considering going back but kind of more practical needs can sometimes take over our more you know personal physical um intuitive needs and that's when we stop listening to ourselves but I'm so I'm so pleased that you kind of were able to do that yeah I think it's I just love it I really (laughs) I really get excited by it yeah Um, so I'm really pleased that you asked me on here to talk about it because it's like oh someone actually wants to listen it's not just should I tell you about my dream? People were like, no. right. <laughs> Should I tell you my, face, my holiday snaps? No. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, oh, it, it is fascinating. And also it's, do you feel like for you to start going into experimenting with dream herbs, that you were in kind of a, a safe place with yourself, thanks to yes. kind of the therapy that you had done? Yeah, definitely. I think um, when you do the dream herbs, you have to, you know, not be on any, it can't, you know, it, you need to make sure it doesn't interact badly with any medication you're on. Right. And also, if I was in a flare up, I'd probably be having night terrors anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely wouldn't be inviting them in. 
um it's kind of when I'm feeling safe and curious mm-hmm. rather than and, and you know like just when you start listening to your body and going what's going on here you know when you just realize like there's a few patterns happening and you just take a little sit back and like what's happening here mm. you know um and then I'm like oh let's get a bit curious about that then or oh, sometimes now because I, I I'm not at in flare as often anymore mm-hmm. um and so it might just be like oh it's a Tuesday night let's take some dream herbs and see yeah what yeah <laughs> yeah and that curiosity, yeah, absolutely. That that curiosity is such a, a beautiful thing, actually. And you talked earlier about seeing your, I think you said, please correct me if I'm if I'm reciting wrong, but your PTSD as a superpower, and you don't take that lightly. Is that was that? Am I right? In, no, I think remembering that. Um, or what did you say? Yeah, I, I think through my uh, PTSD journey. It is me. I think the term is unfucking yourself. Do you know right. like when you just yes. let go of all of the shit that you've grown up with and yeah. you allow the person you're meant to be to come out? Yeah. So I'm not carrying all of the blame for everybody else anymore. I'm not doing that. Um, I'm letting that go. Um, there was another one actually. What the recurring dreams are actually just showing. Show it was like all to do when I worked out what the symbolism was. Mm-hmm um it was clearly all to do with my core beliefs about myself like I have a core belief that I'm really irritating um, right. and that is quite I've lived my life up to now trying to be as less annoying as possible <laughs> like I will not ask for help if I need help I'm you know I, I'll just I'll just go I'll just wait over here yeah you know if I'm sending someone a message I'm like oh I'm really sorry to take up your time um you know, they're probably apology apology yeah just apologizing yeah. for myself all the time and being like oh okay maybe maybe I'm not as irritating as I thought I was um, <laughs> so now I can be well not even irritating but I can relax a bit and you know if you're chasing up a job or something so the yeah. amount of things I've let go because I didn't want to be annoying um you know and now I can be now I can go oh hi I remember when you said that you had this for me can I have it you know rather than going I can't do that because that's just being annoying yeah so it's you know I can do that now you know and so it feels like it is a superpower because it's any any um doubts I have about myself or insecurities or anything I'm learning where they stemmed from and I'm just throwing them in the bin you know yeah dealing with them and moving on and being the person who I want to be and having like just feeling a lot more freer you know less um self-conscious and all of those and having fun as well with it like yeah being curious and playful with it yeah 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 we can take we can take this stuff so seriously and again not saying that lightly because some of a lot of it is so serious and it's so hurtful and there's a lot of emotion tied to this you know these experiences that we've had but I actually yesterday um ran one of my new workshops called your chronic illness is your superpower and again you know taking into consideration the whole picture of actually what living with a chronic illness is like but it's as if these you know forgetting about the triggers and the causes as to why we feel as we do now 
looking I think a lot at why we do feel you know how we feel now sorry and how that helps our body to almost like you know when you get a splinter and your body just eventually pushes it out it's kind of like that process of like your body just wanting to push these you know the thought of you being irritating you know I don't want that anymore and and when that is allowed to to come out when that splinter is allowed to come out the kind of rush of who you actually are you know not you know you chasing for things it's not irritating but you're just allowing your true self to kind of come to the front and 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 be you like and that's wicked yeah yeah I mean there are you know Sunday uh I got triggered um by something um that had nothing really to do with it but it was you know my body started seizing up Mm -hmm. and um and my hand starts clicking and my legs you know I get restless leg syndrome yeah and I was like oh what's going on here what's going on and working it out talking it out I'm sure my husband is absolutely sick to death of you know any crisis that I'm that I'm currently going through and then um like once I had dealt with it in my head you know the physical um symptoms are still there so then I know that I have to um get the movement to get the the adrenaline and cortisol out of my body Um, Mm -hmm. so I need to get on the exercise bike or I need to Mm -hmm. do yoga or just just movement to get that out yeah um and so I need to pay attention to those things as well um and quite a lot of my trauma is actually PTSD is actually sitting with younger versions of myself and explaining Mm -hmm. to her why what happened to her wasn't her fault Mm -hmm. um and then having to deal with the physical side and you know maybe managing some of the anxieties with uh with medication um Mm -hmm. and things like that so there is Mm -hmm. there is the curious curiosity and the playful side but you know there is the serious sides of it as well like my legs are still a little bit sore from Sunday like I need to get back on the bike because that will take a while to come out yeah and but it's amazing you know you have these tools like and and yes it's it's you know for for me you know physical symptoms come come up you know big time if I'm in flare or um if I've been triggered or actually if you know, I'm just not living my life as kind of in the most, you know, beneficial way for myself, let's say. Um, and it puts a new meaning to these things that actually, you know, growing up, you probably would have said, oh, exercise, bike, exercise, you know, I'm doing that to get fit, I'm doing that to this. But actually, no, it's it's a therapeutic kind of avenue. Um, and we were just talking before we came on and I've started cold water swimming. And for me, actually, that cold just is quiet for me and it's that that moment of like looking inwards and going inwards and and just quietening everything out and and discovering these tools and knowing yourself and knowing what you need and having that to hand is is great yeah it is good and that that's through well years of 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 managing it as well Mm -hmm. and knowing what works and what doesn't work as well Le- yeah yeah <laughs> yeah learning and allowing it to be a journey and not not wanting to you know fix this problem away in in you know a set amount of time being accepting that and again staying curious allow 
allowing that curiosity and fun to come into the journey and, and helping yourself realize that it's not going to be a really hard slog the whole way you're going to discover some really wonderful things and and it all kind of mixes in just you know much as the picture of life it's everything yeah yeah um I just have to apologize because that noise is Lenny, um, Lenny. Snoring, <laughs> snoring behind me so that that's that noise. <laughs> amazing I love love it love a dog snore but he's really really comfortable yeah <laughs> oh bless him <laughs> Um, over lockdown, you um, started making these really cool looking cocktails um, and you'd, uh, you'd do a version for you and Jamie and then a version for your girls. And again, they were just so beautifully presented, but they kind of and, and you've talked about your psychotropic plant course. And is that kind of an experimentation in one thing? Uh, you know I mean. Yes, I think this is um, the the cocktails I did was using um, plants from the garden, weeds and flowers mm-hmm. from the garden. And I'd make one every day because who didn't need to have an alcoholic drink at 5pm <laughs> after homeschooling all day? Um, but kind of, there, you know, we all, some days we, everyone was filled with anxiety mm-hmm. and, um, or arguing over that's not what this means or get out of my space mm. and so we would be on different floors and then at like 5 p.m I'd be like right girls come downstairs it's happy hour Love and we'd make a cocktail together um using flowers in the garden and then we get back together again and uh kind of make up from <laughs> the stuff the that happened during the day yeah um and it was then like relaxed time and um so we did this every day uh and it was it was also helping you know not the, to not scroll throughout all of that news which was mm-hmm. mm. which was making me um really anxious uh, mm. and and nervous which wasn't then helping with the homeschooling um so I learned a lot as well and uh and then it kind of, with the dream herb situation happening simultaneously, mm. I was, and also this, I, I also then got another um, symptom, which was migraines. Um, right. So I couldn't actually have that much alcohol. I was only having like one cocktail a day, which I guess is quite a lot anyway. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like it wouldn't be like an entire bottle of wine if you were one cocktail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a square of dark chocolate. yes yes um and then I I couldn't do it anymore because it was just giving me a migraine um and there are also menstrual migraines as well um so it was basically any time that my body felt depleted in any way I was getting these migraines um and so yeah so I was doing the dream herbs at the same time and it just kind of went into oh the psychotropic plants what what can these do so I just finished my course actually yesterday. Um, that's taken me. Yay. Um, and so learning about, um, you know, magic mushrooms and yeah. the, the original uses of these dream herbs in ritualistic places across the world. Um, and, the, you know, the ayahuasca mm-hmm stuff which has all been used to treat trauma as well yeah. now, there is the um, microdosing to help with um microdosing psilocybin is that how yes. you pronounce it yeah um to help with uh depression 
and trauma and things um and just getting a little bit more interested in it there's like a with the blue lotus flower that I've bought a load from load of from Sri Lanka um because I just love it if you you can mix that with wine and uh and then you literally get the party drug of the ancient Egyptians um, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> wow. I haven't made it yet I haven't made it yet and uh um but um, I've got the ingredients um <laughs> you need you, to be you know, ready yeah I need to be ready but like if I can still make these cocktails um you know the, like you know, they've got the cacao ceremonies and yeah. stuff like that um, that make you feel good um, mm-hmm. using plants, um, mm-hmm. can help with your depression, can help with your trauma um, using these dream herbs and um, these psilocybin things, which are all being, you know, back into back in research. Kind of re-evaluated, programs. aren't they? Yeah. yeah, which is really exciting. Um, and also there's there's a new product out. I think it's called Three Spirits, where they use right. um, herbs. So they make a nightcap, which has got no alcohol in it, but it's full of like the herb constituents, constituents, active constituents, which will help you go to sleep after a meal mm. and help you digest your food. Um, and there's one for to help you be more social as wow. well. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of work happening at the moment using you know the power of herbs um yeah which is really exciting um mm. yeah so it's just a really exciting place to be um and I've bought some seeds to grow my own mugwort and I've grown some seeds to grow a plant called vervain which is yep. a type of verbena and apparently if you make tea with that you'll see god so we can give oh, that a go there you go <laughs> sounds good (laughs) yeah so yeah it's a I I need to wait for next spring for that to happen but people have been asking me where where have the cocktails gone and I'm like don't worry I'm I'm working on it (laughs) you are and and am I right in saying you're working on a project from that comes from the cocktails yes uh I'm trying to write down some of the better um recipes because some were excellent and a couple were really bad um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I made one out of um, nettle and that was really murky and looked mm. like pond water um, and it didn't taste very good either um, <laughs> but all the others were really really nice yeah so I'm collecting a few of them and put, hopefully putting together a book well I am putting together a book um, to encourage foraging um, with children mm. and also so that we get to know the names of flowers because a lot of a lot of us have lost connection to nature mm-hmm. um, so if we can make potions from dandelions in the garden and be able to drink them then that's really good using you know sun jar methods you know like we just put yes. some water yeah. and lemon and some dandelion heads and leave it in the sun for four hours and then yeah the honeyness of the dandelions um infuse and you know we've made our own like honey dandelion lemonade yes this is just so much fun and then yeah you can totally add um some vodka to that (laughs) to to make it more fun for for the parents (laughs) oh Sarah I think that is a fantastic note to end uh this interview on in kind of conclusion I think it is so wonderful how you use all these different 
expressive, creative, curious, um, experimental things to help you and to serve you and to support you. And just congratulate you on that. And not that you need my congratulations, oh, you. but you know, I just, it's, it's inspirational. It really is. Oh, thank you. Thank you very um, much. So if, uh, you would like me to ask you where can people find you I don't know if, if you want people to find you but. oh yeah they can um, um I'm at is it, I'm at the bungalow on Instagram and uh, that's probably the best place to find me yeah um yeah double 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 o at the end yes yeah yes it is yep Wonderful. that's right oh well thank you so so much Sarah it's been a pleasure it really has thank you all right bye all right bye I have to admit that conversation took me by surprise in a really good way. I learned loads from what Sarah talked about and loved hearing about the way she approaches her CPTSD, which of course is all part of the journey she's been on over the years and hasn't come overnight. I certainly wake up now and am way more curious about the dreams I've had and rather than kind of taking them at face value or you know, googling what does that mean, I, you know, just really get intrigued by what's gone on and what that might mean. You can find all of Sarah's links in the show notes and if you want to join the conversation of reframing your chronic illness on a more regular basis and when this podcast is on season breaks, I'd love to welcome you to my newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes or by heading to alanaholloway.com. Bringing on board the right kind of support can be the missing piece of the puzzle that so many of us don't realise we actually need. What would you do if you had the most epic support squad by your side? What would that unleash in you and what would it make possible for you in your life? If you're wondering how to start figuring that out, if you've got no idea where to start, I've got the perfect thing for you. My quiz, are you more Michelle, Gaga or Mindy? And what would their support squad unleash in you is now live. You can find the link to it in the show notes and in the bio. Don't wait another moment. Hop on over to the quiz to find out who you're channeling now.